0: Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Adam Narlock. And I'm John Williamson. And I'm about to pee my pants. I'm so excited right now. You and me both, man. <laughs> Dude, our first like straight up legit interview with Dr. Timothy Mackey.
1: And what people don't even know is we're not even going to be able to put this out for like another month.
0: What are we going to do, man? <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited! I don't, I don't know what to do. So, so here's how this is going to work. This is our first Skype interview. So, uh, listener beware: the audio quality for Dr. Mackey is unfortunately not going to be as high quality and sexy sounding as uh, your your hosts here right now. Um, but we are doing our what we can to get some really high quality audio and recording this delicious nugget of a Skype conversation for you guys. For all of you, um, this is our series on Holy Scriptures and. The perspective that you are about to get from Dr. Timothy Mackey, if you are not someone who is into this thing called scripture, listen. Yeah, I mean, listen. Have an open mind to a guy that will just blow your mind. Google him, Dr. Timothy Mackey. Uh, he w- looks like he works for like a skateboard company. I know he's an amateur like skateboarder. Fluent in Hebrew. Fluent in Hebrew. I mean, the guy can sing in Hebrew. Yeah. And uh, listen to some of his lectures, but what you're going to get here today is just some casual conversation, some good perspective. And all we're trying to do again is open up a space to dialogue about this really awkward, weird, divisive thing called holy writings and specifically the Old Testament. I mean, I don't think a whole lot of people have a problem with um, some of you know the New Testament nearly as much as they do with the Old. What do you think, John?
1: Right. I, I think a lot of the the quote weird stuff that happens in the Bible takes place in the Old Testament, and I think that Dr. Mackey just does just this really awesome job at really making sense of a lot of the really kind of you know weird stuff in the Old Testament, and and really kind of makes it um, a little more relatable and and puts it in historical context that just make a lot of it make way more sense.
0: How many people do you think actually even know that they should get a historical context before they can even really start talking about scripture in in a way that they should, you know, you can obviously experience it personally, but before you start really putting it on other people in any kind of way, don't you think you should have a historical context?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think it's weird because this is one of the only uh, texts or uh, especially ancient texts that we do that with. (laughs) We don't we don't do that with any other ancient text. You know, right. We don't read like, you know, Plato or um, you know, some of these Greek, you know, um, epic stories right. and, and read them, you know, with, with the lens of like our a twenty first century lens. Yeah, it, it wouldn't make any sense. But we do that with the Bible for some strange reason. I think um, Dr. Mackey's gonna really go into that.
0: Hopefully he just demystifies some of that. I'm so excited I can barely stand it, man. We're yeah. we're we're about to call this guy and uh, on Skype and just pray it goes well. Yeah. I mean, from a technical standpoint. <laughs> from a technical standpoint. And those those of you that don't pray, just cross a couple
1: fingers for us. <laughs> Do whatever.
0: <laughs> um, and then to our, you know, believer, Christian, identifying, you know, brothers and sisters out there listening to this, have an open mind. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't want to hear some new and different perspective. And my guess is this is going to be very different from what you've heard in Sunday school, probably different from what your parents taught you and maybe even different than what your pastor is teaching you on Sunday morning. But uh, I, I would find it very hard to argue with this beautiful perspective that we're about to get from Dr. Mackey. So atheists, agnostics, enjoy, you'll probably enjoy this a lot more than you ever thought you would. Oh yeah. And uh for all you other people out there, thank you for deconstructing with us and let's keep this a safe space. Here we go with the interview with Dr. Timothy Mackey. Anything you want to say, John?
1: No, enjoy it and hold on tight. All right, let's rock this out.
2: Um tell me the that story in a nutshell like who, what you guys are doing.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, um Adam and I Adam is a uh, a pastor here at the at the church I attend. Um my background is mm. I'm a complete history nerd that's my that's my degree mm. and uh mm. so we we just kind of started talking about how kind of the the faith and theology that we were were raised in just kind of seemed a little as Adam likes to put it claustrophobic growing up and so we started branching out into things that you know we kind of felt nervous to read before and it and we just kind of met each other uh, about a year ago we've only yeah. known each other for about a year and uh, realized we we're reading a lot of the same stuff, and realized that there are a lot of people who are kind of going through doubts and struggles like we are, and yeah. we really felt like we needed to start a project that that created a safe place for others to struggle and kind of doubt with us. Mm-hmm. And so, part of what we're trying to do is get folks like yourself uh, on our show, so that way we can kind of take a look at different things. Like right now, we're doing we're getting ready to embark, I guess, on a. Uh, uh, a series about scripture and and kind of some different ways to look at it, and so we've been huge fans of yeah, yours. Yeah, can we
0: just say we're really big fans? The Bible project, I mean, and we your just lectures. love everything you're doing. We're hoping to expose as many people to it as absolutely possible.
2: Great. Yeah, and that's um, thank you, and you're welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, you guys. It sounds like you're on a journey too, where you have an idea, you know, and then you just put in some effort and then you find that the Holy Spirit's up to something. Oh yeah, man. That's
0: exactly what we're going through right now. Yeah. It's really,
2: and it's humbling, but also it's exciting because you're like, well, this is what I would want to do anyway. Right.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's amazing when that, when that synergy of like your passion and your curiosity Mm -hmm. meets some kind of divine Mm -hmm. permission and even, yeah. in, even empowering, and you're just like, whoa, yeah. this is yeah, wild. It's very strange, it's very, it's uh, a privilege. Would you just kind of tell us a little bit about how you kind of stumbled into some of the work that you're doing? Obviously, that, that goes into like giving us a little bit about your education and things like that. I mean, I could read your, your stuff here, but I would rather people kind of hear it from your perspective than, than mine. Yeah, you know, it's kind of um it's
2: really bound up just with my life story in a sense. So I'll Good. try and make a short story boring kind of kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so I I um I grew up here in Portland. Um and skateboarding and skateboard culture is a huge part of my life, even today it's still. And Portland skateboard culture is interesting because different than California, where it's like high driven Performance. It's L.A., you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. San Diego, but Portland has just a different. It's a way more indoor because it rains a lot. And at least when I was growing up, it's more of like the kind of introverted artist, nerdy guys who mm-hmm. would skateboard. Yeah, that was skateboard culture, and so I was drawn to that because I was bad at sports or whatever. And my dad was a painter. Um, what he did for a living, and so whatever. So that's a big part of my. My story was that was the culture that I grew up in, was just skateboarding artist culture here awesome. in Portland. And then um, I became a Christian when I was uh, 19, almost 20, Okay. through a ministry outreach to skateboarders here no in the kidding. city huh. through a church. That's yeah, wild. They, so they have a skate park. And it ended up being a big warehouse. It's still there today. A big set of mini ramps and a bowl and a street course That's so cool. and so on. That is so, so cool. So every, every night the park is open and then they shut it down halfway and give a Jesus talk. And then to skate the second half of the night, you have to sit through the talk. Yeah. <laughs> Done. So, <yeah>. No problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so anyway, I went for years. It's a dry place to skateboard. Everybody went there. Definitely. Um, and over the years, the Jesus talk started to sink in. And I remember particularly just like who Jesus was, was compelling to me. Yeah, I get that. Um, Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, he's amazing. He says profound things and the way he treats people. So, um, I was about to turn 20. I was out of high school and he became unavoidable to
0: me. That's a great
2: way of saying it. And so, um, I started, you know, giving the Jesus talk (laughs) now and then, you know, and teaching these junior high, you know, kids about the Bible. And I didn't know I was reading the Bible for the first time in my twenties. Oh my gosh. Where, and uh you know it's very bizarre. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so I'm you know I'm down for Jesus, and he talks about the Bible a lot, quotes from it a lot, and so all right, I'm gonna. And so there you go. That kind of so it happened that there is a Christian college across the street from the skate park and the min, min, skate church ministry. Um, and so I signed up for classes there, Bible classes, because I was, what am I going to tell these kids? I, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea I'm what I'm talking to about. I intern yeah. at Skate Church. And so, and then I, I just, I, you know, I had the great fortune of having uh, wonderful teachers um, who just, did, you know, my imagination just got ignited with yeah. the strange new world of, of the Bible. And but I didn't come at it with a huge all a lot of baggage. Like, well, uh, my parents are Christians, and and we attended church kind of off and on and so on throughout time. But I didn't have any baggage or f- fixture with it. I just thought church was stupid. That's pretty obvious to, to me
0: in in your <laughs> teachings. Not that you ever thought church was stupid before, but you, the fact that you're coming at it with no baggage to somebody like me who came to it with a yeah, lot of sure. baggage. Yeah. 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 Which is refreshing. So,
2: yeah, so I think there, my love affair with the Bible kind of begins then. And I didn't have anything else going on in my life, so I just kept going to school as much as I could find it. <laughs> and I uh, signed up for Greek and Hebrew. I just so there you go. And then I just like became language and history and culture and background and all that stuff. Oh man, that's so wild. So I went to so I went to college and majored in Greek and Hebrew and Biblical studies, and went to seminary because I was like, "Am I supposed to be a pastor? What do you do with these degrees?" Yeah, (laughs) and then I was like, "Oh, I should go be a professor." And so my Hebrew teacher here in Portland had gone to the University of Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. okay, Madison, which has a uh, really great Jewish Studies department, but and within it, the Department of Hebrew Bible, and it was just Hebrew, 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 early Judaism. Early Christianity in its Jewish setting, so I was just like in heaven. Oh man, investing. that
0: is so great!
2: So I that was a seven seven years. I I was in that program. Wow, <laughs> and it was amazing. Like it was the it was so because it was a whole spectrum of Jews and Christians. Yeah, reading the Hebrew Bible together. Oh and, my gosh. So for me, it was the content of the Bible was strange and new and wonderful. I'm down for Jesus. He's the reason why I'm reading this. In yeah. The first place. I think so. That was how my whole approach was shaped to the Bible. It's like I'm reading this because of Jesus, and I'm reading this because he said this is how I know him more, is through these the Hebrew Bible.
0: <laughs> Man, I <laughs> feel like if we could just get people, people to somehow end. start there, that would pretty yes. much undo a lot of the damage that's been done right there. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. So uh, let's talk about that. I think for me, that was
2: a formative. I now look back and see how fortunate I was and formative to be introduced to the Bible by being first introduced to Jesus. Gosh, man. And I know, I know that's not most people's experience. No. And yeah, I, that's a big, that's a big problem. So that's a big part of what the Bible projects about. You know, we say it as the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Yeah. And so you know, you know, the fancy word is our hermeneutic, right, right. (laughs) Uh, But it's just like our approach. You can nerd out on
0: this podcast, man. We we, we're all nerds. Just go ahead, (laughs) feel free.
2: Totally, but I think a huge problem in certainly Western approaches to the Bible is that we often read the first three quarters of it, the Hebrew Bible, as some as a standalone thing. Yeah, and we approach it and try and get from it things As if Jesus never came. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm supposed to live under it, but then I'm like, and then we see a contradiction between. Well, then there's that part of the Bible and Jesus, and it's just we need to start a, our whole deal over and think about this. And so for me, it just it's part of my story. And uh, and so John, the co-founder of the Bible Project, he and I met in college. Okay. Um, at that at Multnomah, uh, Bible College at the time. And so he grew up in this, I'm kind of guessing, a a situation similar to yours of like a very conservative Bible church. Yes. So he's got baggage. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We became friends over the years. And so he's having this conversion to, uh, what do you call it? Biblical Jesus-style Christianity? Yeah. yeah.
0: We would actually call Um, that a deconstruction.
2: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So for him, the Bible project is this deconstruction reconstruction experience yeah beautiful and, sweet and using a using a, a a medium that when i was slogging it out in grad school he had gone on and started to marketing advertising companies but with this niche he crafted the skill of the short animated explainer video
0: oh man he's good and, at it uh, yeah
2: yeah it's amazing so he was doing these types of videos for clients mostly tech startups and so on for their web presence online. And so we got back together about four years ago. I moved back to Portland after moving back from Wisconsin. And we were in his backyard. And uh, he had been listening to some of my sermons and stuff like that and some teachings and stuff I had online. And he was like, you know what we ought to do? We ought to make a whole library of these videos but about the Bible and theology. Dude. And so that's, uh, it's very, you know, it just was very natural. And it's just kind of like, oh, all right, let's, Try that. Yeah, they're <laughs> so, absolutely so that, beautiful. That, kinda, too. But for me, it's very and for John it's very personal too. For him, it's his rediscovery of Jesus as the center of the Bible. And for me, it's now pastorally seeing like I think this is a real problem in Western Christianity. And uh we found ourselves in a place where we can help be a voice for a, a rediscovering what I what I think the Bible actually is is, you know.
1: So anyway, that's, there you go. That's, that's so kind of awesome, story. Tim. That's so great. Yeah. That's we, that's a great place to start, too, yeah. because one of the quotes that I've heard you say, um, not only in the lecture that you did, the midweek lecture that you did with Bridgetown Church uh, recently, but also your podcast, is uh, mm. the one thing that you keep mentioning is that the Bible didn't just fall out of the sky. And I, I think that's really yes. poignant, you know? And, and so talk a little bit about that and where kind of we've gone wrong, maybe in Western society in regards to Bible interpretation. yeah.
2: Yeah, that's big. I paint broad brushstrokes here. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it's helpful. I think
2: we need, I think we need to. Yeah, so I think if I can characterize, once I became a Christian and then entered whatever, Western churchianity or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, so like Nailed a, it. This approach to the Bible that it's divine behavior manual, you know, or a handbook for how to be a good human and not a bad human. Right. And it's from God, it's the word of God. Right. And so that's a biblical, very biblical idea. Jesus would be on board with that 100%. But then there's been built up a narrative of assumptions about, well, what that must mean about what the Bible is, where it, how it came into existence, uh, and what I'm supposed to do with it. Right. And most of those assumptions, I think, aren't actually derived from the Bible itself. They're derived from a set of preconceptions about what it means for a book to be called the Word of God. I, think, what, that's that kind of a, I yeah. think that's our biggest so roadblock.
0: I think that's our biggest roadblock. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's our mm-hmm. biggest roadblock. That's that's what the question is all mm-hmm. about. So, you know, for people listening mm-hmm. to a podcast like this that are either deconstructing their faith within Christianity or, you know, what we're really hoping is that there's a lot of people outside of Christianity or have always felt outside of Christianity that can then almost be a little bit skeptical of their skepticism and hear some new perspectives Mm -hmm. from inside. And that's really where you fit in. So continue to talk about a little bit about what that general perception that most people have when they say, this is God's book, God wrote this, you know, and how that's, That's how that's unhelpful and maybe not even the best way to actually find Jesus and the grace that, uh, he shows us in, in scripture.
2: Yeah. So I I think that the root is, we uh, Christians have lost a really, really important category for thinking about h- how God works in the world. And, uh, and it's bound up with who Jesus is himself. Again, Jesus is the center of the Bible. So the classic core Christian Orthodox confession about Jesus is that he's human yeah. and he's divine. And he's not one at the expense of the other. And he's not one or the other. They're not. And like, he's both. Yes. Right. And so Jesus didn't drop out of heaven. He, uh, he was born like he's and it was born in a very remarkable way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, through the agency of God's spirit, but that, that it's God's spirit working in and through normal human processes of conception and birth and so on. and, So that's Jesus. Um, And he didn't speak alien. He spoke Aramaic, (laughs) just like the Greek, you know. And like he came onto the scene speaking and addressing the the issues of his time and place, which he believed had implications for every human on the planet. Yeah. But he spoke the language. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally, man. Christians should already have that category about Jesus. And so I think the point's really a simple one, is that that is the framework for how we ought to be thinking about the Bible. Um, but it's not. For most people, Jesus has become a floating down European white male. <laughs> yeah, down totally. Heaven. <laughs> well, and it's no wonder yeah. so many people think this
0: whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah. Because oh, that's no, ridiculous.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: That is absolutely a ridiculous idea.
2: Yeah. And it's not true to any the historic confessions about Jesus in the Christian faith, and it's not true to the biblical texts themselves. So I think uh, uh, to uh just like what is the Bible? It's an ancient text. It's very clearly like you go look. We can go look at really ancient copies of the thing. It's written in Hebrew. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we make we make fun of that, but there's a lot of people for whom a certain English translation of the Bible, you know, the King James. Yeah. Right. Like that's actually, that's a really core, that's a constitutional belief of their kind of theological tribe is that the King James is a special moment in God's history of working in the world. And, and so like, I okay. just, you know, I'm not trying to make fun. And, no. But that's, yeah, that's not. Helping anybody. No, it's not right. true. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> right. It's it's really I, mean, really, not.
2: I just yeah. Uh, so and so for me, the other thing is the Bible contains within itself all kinds of stories and information about its own origins. And they read very similar to the stories about Jesus's origins, where it's like, oh, people like writing it, the Bible doesn't hide the fact that humans wrote it. But at the same time, it asks us to hold that together with a conviction that these, what these humans wrote out of many times very normal, historical, sociological circumstances and geography, the whole thing, language, culture, history, geography, that the Bible emerged out of a people group within history, but that those people were under and influenced by the orchestration of God's guiding spirit. So that what they wrote out of those circumstances is what God wants His people to hear, and it's it's human and it's divine and it's both, and we don't need to be threatened by the human, very very human history of the Bible that's open and public, accessible to everybody on YouTube.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's such a cool point to make, man. This is a threat to you know. I mean, I've I met people in graduate school who they grew up in churches, you know, and they've got baggage. And then they're nerding out like me on the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Septuagint and all, you know all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, that show a very complex human history to the origins of the Bible.: I really like and the way you say that man. And they're losing their faith because of it. Right. And I'm in the same program, learning the same facts and history. And for me, it's be, it's I'm falling more in love with Jesus through this whole process. That is like, so the cool. the same facts lead to totally. And so for me, I was like, "There's a glitch in the system." Like, um, you know that Dallas Willard phrase: "Your system is perfectly designed to give you the result you're currently getting." No,
0: yeah. okay, we talked about that <laughs> yeah. on one of our first episodes. We did uh, yes, a little yeah. a little uh, teaser on some psychology of like unconscious biases.
2: Yes, and yes. one of
0: them is a systemic bias. Yeah, it's like yes. you're in a system. And it's, yeah, it's going to keep giving you the same thing over and over again. That's right. So so when you grow up in a system where
2: the actual history of the origins of the Bible is a scandal to your faith. Wow. Even though that information is, a lot of it's contained within the Bible itself. It is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's clearly like we have a root problem here that we need to address. And, And I think one of them is our inability to hold the divine and human nature of the Bible together, which usually is connected to our inability to hold the divine and human nature of Jesus together, too. I think they're connected.
0: I completely agree. I mean, isn't that a mystery? I mean, I think one of the things that we talk about on this podcast a lot is like in spirituality, in even just existence itself, in science, in any kind of observation, there has to be this enormous amount of room for mystery and that is where faith starts to come in a lot of times for, for various kinds of people. So there's, there's mystery yeah, there. Though
2: I, yeah, though I'd, I'd nail it down even more specifically. I think it's that we, at least in the West, I actually think more in Eastern Orthodox Christianity traditions. They have more categories for this. We, we have this opposition between if God is acting in history or if God's doing it, it's not humans doing it I agree or if humans are doing it that's not God doing it and I you turn to page one of the Bible and how does God rule the world through humans oh (laughs) Oh, man you know what I'm saying yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh. like so the in terms of the Bible's way of approaching it humans actually become more human when God is at work in and through them. Oh, man! When God's at work, I become more human. And so for God to author a book through humans doesn't mean God didn't do it, but it also doesn't mean humans didn't do it. It's like that's the whole, that's the biblical worldview, is that God's spirit and presence and activity in history is supposed to be happening through humans. That's the whole point of the biblical story, as I see it.
0: That is so that good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but but think about what happens to your spirituality when um, when you have that opposition. So if I'm truly going to follow Jesus and become mature and spiritual, I need to like renounce my normal job and like we like bifurcate it. Yeah, and, right. You know. Right. And so I guess it's about giving my money to the church and reading my Bible and praying a lot. And those are really, really important things. Yeah. But if you have the wrong story about how those fit in, then right. they actually, you're just totally missing the point.
0: And it becomes harmful, I think, at that point. Yeah. Yeah,
2: because it's a it's a truncated view of God's world. Like it's, it's just not true. It's not true to the Christian story. And so th- I, that affects all kinds of things. It also affects our view of the Bible, that if humans wrote it, It can't be God's word. Or if God, if it is God's word, humans only played an incidental role where they were just zapped by a Holy Spirit trance and then like babbled it out. They had no idea what they were writing. That's pretty much what I was taught, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people were. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are moments, you know, where the biblical prophets, you know, got knocked out of their their socks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Where they got... Totally bowled over by an encounter with God's presence. Yeah. yep. You go read those stories and they still seem like in control of their faculties and like they're able to talk. Yeah. And, and then God tells them to go from that experience, go start talking to their people and writing to their people. And that's the origins of the books in which we read those stories. Man. So anyhow, so that's a big theological category, the divine and the human thing. The other thing is just a historical one, like the... Um, the Bible contains within itself all kinds of information about how the books were composed and how they came into existence physically as literary works and physical productions. And you may not, you know, there's nothing for it, but just to get into the details. Yeah, I don't yeah. Think we, I don't know if we have time or you want to. But yeah, go oh, for it, man. Do first, it. So here, just, here's two, these are what I use as the first two examples. The first two mentions of the writing of the Bible in the Bible. They're both in the book of Exodus, And the first one's in Exodus chapter 17, and it's a story about a battle that the Israelites just escaped from Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and there's a people group, the Amalekites, that come and want to wipe them out. And so they they fight against the Amalekites, they win the battle, and it's remarkable. Uh, And then God says to Moses, yeah, write this down on a scroll as something to be remembered. Exodus chapter 17. There you go. It's the first mention of the writing of the Bible in the Bible. So that's, t- to me, that's always been telling because, oh, like Moses isn't seized by some divine force or something. He's just like, you <laughs> yeah. just want to battle. You survive. You want to battle. Yeah. Like before you forget about this, yeah. write it down because um, it's, it's a moment where God acted to save and redeem this people. Because of God has plans to do something for the whole world through this family. And so he's invested in preserving them. And so write it down. This is part of your foundation story now. And so Moses is like, oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, that's what it says. It's like, You know what I'm saying? It's not like the first mention of the writing of the Bible is a very normal event. You survived war. Write down the story. Um, And then the second mention of the writing of the Bible in the Bible happens uh, right after the Ten Commandments. It's not the Ten Commandments, but it's of Moses writing down and collecting the Ten Commandments and all the other laws to make up the terms of the covenant given to Israel. And so he writes it on this thing called the Scroll of the Covenant. And then the Israelites say yes. So in those first two mentions of the writing of the Bible in the Bible, we get what the Bible is. It's a story, first and foremost. It's a narrative talking about what God's doing in history to save and redeem a people. And then the second mention of the writing of the Bible in the Bible is God inviting those people into a covenant relationship with himself to live under his rule so that they can become a contrast community to the other nations and live as new and different kinds of humans. And in my head, there's the meaning of the Bible right there. It's a divine and human story about humans becoming more human by entering oh, into the covenant. Oh, that is so good.
0: I've never heard anybody put it like that before. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you're just like, just like scrap your categories. What are the first places? Scrap your categories. <laughs> just like go to the Bible. Like, you know, if you're a good Bible American Christian or something, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you actually read the first two times the writing of the Bible is mentioned, and it's those. And it tells you what the Bible is and what it's for. It's not a rule book. It does contain rules within it, but those rules fit within moments in the story. And so you have to learn how to read it, read all the moments of the story as a story and how they fit in the context. And I wasn't at Mount Sinai, were you? No. Like, why are you <laughs> having these debates <laughs> the about okay, I actually live under the laws of Leviticus. Like I'm not an Israelite.
1: Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, anyway. That's one thing you mentioned in, in one of the recent Dude. podcasts I listened to. Uh, you, you made the point that that a lot of the portion of the law was written for a very specific people at a very specific time. Yes. And it wasn't intended for for modern society. So could you could you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yes. Well so here's a good analogy. Um on chapter six of Genesis, it's the famous flood story with Noah. And that which itself raises a billion questions that we're not even going to touch. <laughs> right? A billion questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so there's a the part of the introduction is God giving Noah this paragraph long paragraph of detailed commands about the construction of this ark um, with like measurements right yeah, yeah, and yeah. what you know how to seal it and so on and nobody walks away from that story, no reasonable, per, reasonable person walks away from that story going, oh, how do I respond to that story? It's God's word <laughs> to me. I should go build a boat. Right, <laughs> right! <laughs> yeah, and it's a long paragraph. Um, but somehow when we come to the story of God giving the 613 commands to Israel at Mount Sinai and in the wilderness, we walk away from those parts of the Bible going, oh, this is God's word to me. I'm supposed to do these commands.
0: You know wow. what I'm saying? Wow.
2: Like, right. It's like, well, wait a minute. No, no, it makes very clear, like, this were given to these people for this moment in what God was doing in history. And by the way, they, f- they failed miserably at keeping the commands.
0: I want to high five you right yeah,
2: now so and bad. That, <laughs> and so that, the, both the laws and the, these people's failures to obey those laws, that's the Bible. Right. It's a story oh. about Israel's inability to keep the covenant and then how God is going to remake a new covenant family who can truly love and obey him and follow his will. And that's what Jesus and the Spirit accomplishes. And with the way Jesus and the Spirit boil it all down is love God and love your neighbor, right? Right. I mean, oh. was, so I'm a follower of Jesus. I wasn't at Mount Sinai, but I am a follower of Jesus. I fit into that part of the story. Hmm. And so I honor this heritage of God's commands by loving God and loving my neighbor. And that's the most, you know what I'm saying? (laughs)
0: Okay, there you go. I could go on, but I'm.
1: Oh, dude. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh,
0: we've got so many. You're just, you're blowing my mind right now, man. Yeah. I love this. Um. Hey, let me ask you a personal question, and maybe you yeah. can speak for your, uh, your co-conspirer on the Bible Project a little bit too, because yeah. he sounds like a cool dude. We should have had him on as well. Maybe we can later. So with all this learning that you've done, all this learning, one of the mm. things that I find fascinating about learning and going deeper and getting your mind blown and having these really cool experiences where something new opens up to you is it's like learning itself is also a process of unlearning. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or letting, you know, old assumptions yes. down. Could you talk a little, yes. with as much as you know, how much unlearning have you done or seen people do? And could you just talk about that a little bit? Because that's germane to our podcast context.
2: Well, I mean, as I, you know, I told my story, I didn't have that much unlearning to do when it came to the Bible. Because it was just new territory for me. Super cool. Um, so that, you know, I think I'm great. I now look back and I'm grateful for, for that. But I'm very aware, as a pastor, and you know, 20 years into following Jesus, that that's for sure the journey that a lot of people undergo. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a there's a fear factor. Anytime I learn a new fact of whatever, any fact um, that I didn't have room for currently. Oh man. It, that's a moment of vulnerability. Because it, you're humbling yourself and saying, oh, something I didn't already know. And then you're saying, I have to now accommodate for that fact by fitting it into the rest of my view of the world. Oh, uh, and, and what if it doesn't with,
0: fit? Like, what, if it, what do those kinds of people yeah. do when it doesn't fit?
2: Well, so, you know, um, there's fear. There's fear that uh, I might... Uh, edit out my pauses here. <laughs> no way, man! We're keeping it all. This is a raw, uncut thing. Uh, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, this is I mean, great. There's, yeah, there's fear that what if I've been wrong about things that I held before? Yeah, sure. So there's that. Um, there's um, vulnerability, like where, where, do, what's what's stable in the world? You know, what's um, what's what's bedrock for me? Um, wow. And, and but dude, but dude, think about it, like what at the essence of being a follower of Jesus, what were the years of the disciples like with Jesus like think about all seriously those it yep. was it was constant deconstruction yes <laughs> yes it was <laughs> of, of these guys' worldviews of their identity of their what they valued and held to be significant and important, and if i'm Jesus is Anything but convenient for my currently held views of the world. Oh. Quote and of the my, podcast least, right there. Yeah. That's you know? the quote of the podcast right and, there. Yeah. And the Bible is too. And so it's just this it's not like relentless deconstruction for the sake of deconstruction. No, but right, it's right. This open-handedness to recognize at any point I could be wrong about all of this. Mm. <laughs> and so that's the not to just doubt forever, but that's a posture, I think, that you have to take if you're a follower of Jesus. Because how many points did the disciples think, like, oh, surely I've got it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to forgive my neighbor up to, like, seven times, huh, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then he's man. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, have to, we have to start this conversation. So, you know. And then, yes, yeah, so that's a great example. And then the way Jesus responds, it's like, no, it's not even about the number of times. Are you kidding me? And then he does the thing with the 77 and so on. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I think that we just have, being a Christian is, puts you in a state of perpetual open-mindedness, but oh. not, not directionlessness. Like, right. I don't even that know is
0: so good, man. <laughs>
2: B- because, but it doesn't mean you have no convictions, right? The reason you're open-minded is because of Jesus, right? <laughs> and so, because I know some people from a certain background would say, "Oh, you're just opening the door to relativism and wishy-washiness," but right. no, like I'm, I'm open-minded because of Jesus, right? And and so, which means he will be the any fact that I come into contact with, whether it's about the age of the earth <laughs> or a Bible verse right. or like my neighbors and. I, I take it to Jesus and I sort it through his teachings and his way of seeing the world and what he did in his life and death and resurrection and the kingdom of God. And I run it through that grid and I just am ready to be perpetually surprised. Um, and I also probably need to recognize I've misunderstood things about Jesus and his life and death and resurrection and the kingdom of God. So I need to be ready to relearn that too, if need be. But it's a posture and I, it's not a posture that much of American Christianity has been very good at. I'm not always good at it either. You know, I mean, what, what human wants to live in a perpetual state of vulnerability? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But that's so true, man. But it forces you to realize like, Oh, my, my worldview and my faith isn't built on my ability to find coherence in the world.
0: Oh, dude, so it's, true. It's so. based on
2: G- G- my trust in Jesus, and that what He did for me and on my behalf is is what my hope is in, not my ability to like always figure it out. Um, anyhow.
1: Oh, so. So as a as an average Christian or even you know a lot of our listeners are would probably self-identify as atheist, agnostic, non-religious. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you start? Obviously, we've kind of touched on the fact that we need to understand the context in which this text was written, and, mm-hmm. in order to, to to truly derive the the true meaning intended behind it. So I guess I'm, I'm going to wrap up two of my questions in mm-hmm. one. Um, where do you start, and what kind of resources would you recommend for, for folks to, to to kind of be able to understand it a little better?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, you start with Jesus. Um, I, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Right? <laughs> so, uh, community or is the, first, the, the Bible. What is the Bible? Three-quarters of it is this thing called the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. And the cookies are not on the bottom shelf. No. (laughs) Use that. And it's not the kind of document that was intended to be completely easily understandable to anybody on the planet at first blush. That itself is a preconception of what it means for the Bible to be God's word. That any person ought to be able to read it in a translation and just get it all the first time. And so that's, that is, boy, that's just not true to what these texts, the Hebrew Bible specifically, what these texts are. Um, they come assuming you already are immersed in the whole story. And so um, as a Christian, why, why would I read a book like the Old Testament? Because I'm a follower of Jesus. So let's get the cart before the horse. You know, oh, that's you know so I mean? good, Don't, let's not get the cart before the horse. So I'd start with Jesus. i just. Like read the stories about him, and there's going to be a ton that people don't understand because he didn't drop out of heaven. He's, he's like, he's Jewish, you know? <laughs> and he's in the flow of a very turbulent time in Jewish history. But who he is and what he's about shines from those stories, even though a majority of the details are going to be lost on somebody reading it for the first time. You get who Jesus is, and he's remarkable.
0: That's awesome. And that's what I tell
2: man. people. Just start, immerse yourself in the stories of Jesus.
0: You know, because, I, well, I like that too, especially for the context of our conversation today and this podcast and our listeners is no matter where you're at, like, I haven't really met a whole lot of people who have too big of a problem with the Jesus represented in mm-hmm. the gospels or even, um, even some of the, some more liberal stuff, like, you know, the Jesus seminar or, you know, some of the, some of these, you know, the quest for the historical Jesus, some of these mm-hmm. things, nobody's got a problem with the things Jesus taught, the things Jesus said, uh, the, the, the unbelievable, uh, like Thomas Jefferson would even say, the sublimity, like mm-hmm. it's sub- his teachings are sublime. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's all the other stuff. You know, like Gandhi would say, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. And yes. I think a lot of this kind of plays into that.
1: Yeah. And so yeah, putting I, I the agree. cart before yeah. the horse is I, huge.
0: Jesus riding the dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I sent Adam that picture yesterday.
2: That's yeah, so yeah. that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And that's not Jesus of Nazareth. You know, um, Jesus of Nazareth is so much more beautiful and compelling than that. And so that's where I tell people to start, and then that will raise start to raise questions about the Bible as a whole, because you'll notice very quickly that the, the same Jesus who like touches the leper. And these hurt sick people and compassion and generosity and confronting unjust leaders, you know. Yeah. <laughs> speak truth to power. Like all that <laughs> yeah. Stuff that yeah. Oh, look, with some with Western, Western yeah. folks. Like we love that stuff. Yeah. It's the same Jesus who's like constantly quoting from the Bible. Yes. And yeah. say and like you know saying really challenging things about sexual integrity and money yeah. and healthy relationships and what it means to be truly human. And so like I it's then you got to fold all that together and realize like oh this Jesus isn't actually convenient for me. Wow. And how I understand him is seeing him within the context of this whole narrative called the Bible. And and then once you're there then I think we're ready to turn to page one. <laughs> Dang man, <laughs> wow. you know? that is so uh, good. So, in terms of resources, yeah. uh, John, to for your question, yeah. Um, I mean, not one resource is the Bible Project. Where I'm, I'm trying to make the Absolute resources nice. that I wish yeah. I had 20 years ago. We're huge advocates, man. We are huge advocates of the Bible Project. Um, so th- there you go. I mean, so in terms of it's similar to what you guys were describing, a uh, part of it is uh, at this point in the journey, I can't not do the Bible project because it's, it's what I have to do because it's what to. I wish that I, it's what I need.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so <laughs> it's good. It's so man. necessary.
2: Yeah. Um, so that's a video resource in terms of book resources. One second. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love it. For you listeners, I'm showing John and Adam a picture.
0: I of, was just reading that today. <laughs> oh, that's uh, so yeah. great! Okay, you referenced so, Sailhammer in one of your episodes. I've always yes. liked that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
2: So so that um, he was one of the teachers I was first exposed to. Um, uh, it was actually a student of his who was my first Bible teacher oh, at no. Bible College in Portland. And then Sailhammer, John Sailhammer himself came to teach at Western Seminary in Portland for a few years when I was taking classes. So, you know, uh, he, he's uh, just an incredibly wise person who embodies everything of what I'm saying.
1: So <laughs> and, for, for uh, the listeners, so what's I the... was
2: recommended. It's a one-volume— yeah. $8.99 paperback
1: you know?
2: that's uh, a one-volume commentary on every book of the Bible.
1: And what's the name of it not,
2: again? it's um, not verse by verse. He taught me how to view books as l- literary holes that have a design. Wow. And a okay. flow and an intended message that an author sat down and crafted this as both a work of art and as a statement with a theological message.
0: Will you, yeah. will you say the, the name of that book again? We'll put this in the show
2: Salt, notes as sorry. well. John H. Salehammer, and that's called the NIV Compact Bible Commentary. Yeah. Beautiful. I've got Beautiful. it on my shelf, man. It's yeah, un- super unattractive dope. Yeah, cover that has nothing to do with the content. <laughs> 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 it's, it's like either, a picture of a mountain or something. Covers, you know? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I've burned through I, – I mean, they fall apart after heavy use for a year or two. But they, this was my first guide. To the first book I ever read, I would have my Bible open and then I would have Sailhammer sitting next to me for awesome, the first man. four or five years of reading the Bible. And it was such an amazing tool to me. In many ways, the Bible Project is me passing on Sailhammer's legacy and a new medium, what he taught me and then what I've learned over the years. Oh, so, and it's not, it's not even so much the content. He taught me how to read, like how to read these texts because they're from another culture in another time, and they don't read like modern novels. They don't read like modern nonfiction. You have to learn how to read ancient poetry, and you have to learn how to read ancient Hebrew narrative. And But once you pick up the skill set, you're just like, this is, this is unbelievable. This is a lifetime's worth of exploration yeah. in these texts. And they're intentionally crafted in design. and designed. Uh, and anyway, so... This is the number one resource I recommend to people for taking your own next step into re- starting at page one and reading the Bible. I yeah.
1: had one. I had one more question. Yeah, do it, before. man. So, just in terms of the Bible as a whole, uh, we we kind of talked about this, I think, briefly last episode. Do you think the authors of the Bible, whoever they may be, because I know there's debate, scholarly debate in terms of you know who actually wrote certain books of the Bible and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think they had any idea that this would wind up into this this volume that we now call the, call the Bible? I've I've heard other scholars mm. actually say no. This is more of a library as opposed to a book.
2: Um, it it is a collection, absolutely. But for the uh, the Hebrew Bible, let me make one reference. Um, I recently gave a an hour and a half condensed lecture on the formation of the Bible. Um, yep. that's uh, up on my website. Yes. yes. It gets into a lot more detail about this.
0: We'll put that in the show uh, notes. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: there you go. Yeah, so where I end, I do about half an hour on the formation of the Old Testament. And I do think that there was a variety of books and authors and sources that they tell us of where all these books came together from. Mm-hmm. But in its final shape, the the what I call the Hebrew Bible, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think was intentionally collected and put together and designed as a unified whole sweet and presents itself as a divine and human word <clears throat> so you know i imagine when moses is on the mountain like there's something pretty sacred and divine happening yeah there. dude you know but when when um the men of hezekiah proverbs chapter twenty five the men of Hezekiah are collecting the proverbs of Solomon, you know yeah. I think they're just doing scribal work and <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Archive, you know 'm yeah. <laughs> like oh, here's some proverbs of Solomon that haven't been put in the collection yet, but the author of Proverbs, who's collecting all of this together as a unified statement with the poems about lady wisdom as a divine, and then putting it together, and then the prophetic editors who combined these into a unified whole very much view this as a unified divine and human word, I think. And uh, the same goes for the Gospels and the Apostolic letters of the New Testament. Like these authors are very aware that they've been commissioned by Jesus to speak on his behalf to the to his followers. And so Paul will say, in the earliest document in the New Testament, it's Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. (laughs) Chronologically, it's the first document. And what he says, he's like, yeah, when I came preaching the good news about Jesus to you, you didn't receive it as just a human word. You received it as what it is, he says, as God's word to you. Wow. And whether I write it to you by a letter, whether it's a sermon to you, when the apostles of who were like around Jesus are relaying his teachings to you, you're hearing it as a, div- as a divine and human word because you're hearing it through humans. That is so <laughs> good, man. Yeah. So I, I, do, I do think that the Bible is presenting itself intentionally as a very unique book. But that doesn't mean it's not human, and that doesn't mean it doesn't have traceable origins in history. It's
0: category busting.
2: Yeah, it's its own category. It's That's totally
0: category it. busting. And I think the yeah. biggest problem is we all we we that makes us so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially as Westerners. We need category. This yes. has got to fit somewhere else where other things fit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and then yeah,
2: once you have a Bible falls from heaven, you then right. You have to put in all this effort to defend that. Yeah, right. right no, right. and then that launches a whole. And I'm all for removing intellectual obstacles yes. for people to coming to become followers of Jesus. But I want to make sure I'm removing obstacles that I haven't created. Oh, man, <laughs> that's good. But that are the real obstacles, you know. Um, so because if I'm trying to defend a view of the Bible that I don't actually think is true to how the Bible came into existence, then I've, I've created more problems than I'm solving.
0: Uh. That's so humble, too, which, you know, another thing that— <clears throat> We really value about this space that we've created in this podcast is like it's a, it's a humble space. Mm-hmm. We can't. We think one of the biggest problems in um, a lot of the arguing and the just anger and mm-hmm. that goes on out there is that sort of that defensive mode. Yes. Where people feel this need to like defend and 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 not have any kind of humility at all. And when it's yeah. when you're dealing with something this category busting. Mm-hmm. Just thank you for your humility, man. With as yeah. much as you know, that is a testimony in in and of itself. That's beautiful to me. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I, it's Jesus. Jesus doesn't need us to defend him. <laughs> I do want to expose faulty thinking and and historical factual error.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. if that's
2: yeah. a problem for somebody, but I'm <laughs> like. I'm Other than that, like, Jesus is a big boy. Like, he can speak for himself (laughs) and, like, doesn't need me to defend him. Yeah. No, But I do want to defend him against false caricatures that the church puts forward about him. We're defending people against misunderstanding of Jesus. Yeah. It's usually done more at the hands of his followers. Could yeah. not agree
0: more. <laughs> could not agree more. That's why we, we, we think that this deconstructive process is actually going to be really valuable. Um, last question, and we'll let you, yeah. we'll let you go here because we've taken yeah. up so Thank much you of so your, much. your valuable time. Yeah. But oh, that's great. For those listening on the show, if you could just give them a suggestion who are going through you know, either a crisis of faith or a new discovery or however you want to use this phrase deconstructive. And we mean it in a positive way. We, we think it's a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. not, we're not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're trying to save yeah. the baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, uh, so number one, there is not one doubt or question no matter how detailed it is, trust me, that that any of you all are thinking or asking or wondering that hasn't been wondered and thought through by a 10,000 people before you. That's awesome. Two- Two thousand years. So you're not alone. You haven't discovered like the dirty secret that caused (laughs) the whole thing to fall down. That is so good. You know, like yes. And the YouTube sensation thing makes you think like, oh, this self-proclaimed expert found the dirty secret, and it's
0: all. (laughs) No, Dan Brown
2: found it, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. so you need to find resources, and more importantly, or just as important, find people. That you're gonna sort through the questions with. And yes. you have to be patient Ugh. and you have to take time because the universe is complex. And so, like, if when you're talking about complex things, you don't think that this answer will be quick or simple. And likely you'll be changed in the process of discovery. We hope and so. Yeah. So, that really, I think that's the biggest encouragement. I have so many people in my own church community, it's like, oh, I, what do I do? This thing in the Bible or this question or science. It's like okay, well, I, there's like here's three good books. Here's four other people in our church community who have, we have had the same conversation with. Yeah, you man. <laughs> and you just realize like, oh, we're all figuring this out. I, to be honest, pastorally, that's by, my knee-jerk response is like you're not yeah. alone, and there are really, really thoughtful people who have thought through everything you've ever wondered before, probably better than you and I have. So let's yeah. oh, that's yes so good, man. Eat, let's read them and listen to them. And learn from their journey too. So then it's just about finding the right resource.
1: Yeah. So good. So we will definitely link all your stuff to our to our show notes and everything. But for for the listeners um, who want to look at, you know, the videos and, and get into the Bible project. Um, can you just give them real, real quick, like where, where can they go to get more of that stuff?
2: Yes. The s- simplest thing to do is just Google, um, the Bible project yeah. and, okay. and, uh, our, we have two, our main, all our content is on YouTube, uh, or just go to YouTube and search the Bible project. It's the first thing that'll come up. It's a channel and we, Have lots of different series, different types of videos for different purposes and just go binge. There's hours of stuff to look at. So good.
0: We love Uh, that the animation looks like the Marauders map from Harry Potter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool. and we
1: mean that in the in the most complimentary way. It's so huge Harry Potter fans right here. Yeah. Uh, You know,
2: um, yeah, I'm just on the writing creative side, and then I pass it downstream to this remarkable team of artists.
0: Yeah. They're incredible, uh, dude. They
2: are they blow my mind. Lights yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so YouTube. Um, then we have our, our website. Uh, it's a crowdfunded effort. So if people find the v- videos valuable, you can help us make the next one. Totally. perfect. telling you about the next project that we're working on. Um, and there you go. And then uh, personally, I have my own website, timmackey.com. And there I put up classes, lectures, sermons. Thank you for doing that. Like that. Yeah, totally. Just uh, as a resource for people who are on the journey. You're a friend
0: on the journey, um, on the journey Tim. Yeah. You are a friend on the journey. Yeah,
2: you guys, too. I'm, re- I'm stoked on what you guys are doing. It, oh, it's thanks. Very, thank you very much. Very helpful for people. To have do have space that to means do a lot to this. us. <laughs> we'll tell people about
0: you, man. You, you pass on if you think this is helpful to anybody else. Yeah, yeah we'll do. We'll do, you guys. Hey, thank you so much for doing the show, and uh, yeah, we'd we'd love to do it again if uh, if you're interested. So (laughs)
2: absolutely, Adam and John, nice to meet you. you Yes, we'll
0: be in touch. We'll let you know when the show is up. And uh, again, thank you. God bless, grace, and peace. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you guys too. Have a great day. You You too. too. Bye bye. Bye. Man, Dr. Timothy Mackey, we were so fortunate to get this interview, and. I hope you guys all got something out of that couple things I want to say after this particular interview this whole series is an intro even though it's a three-part series we are just getting going John had to step away for a minute so I'm gonna close this episode out on my own here but man We just scratched the surface, and I hope you all feel that. I hope you guys are all like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait, why didn't you talk about this? Why didn't you talk about violence in the Old Testament? Why didn't you talk about the wrath of God? Why didn't you talk about hell? Why didn't you talk about... First and foremost, this is only part two of a three-part series. And the purpose of this three-part series is to introduce a deconstructionist perspective to looking at Scripture airing out doubts or to at least start to crack the windows and doors to airing out doubts and we are just getting started having somebody like Dr. Timothy Mackey on who is a unbelievable talent and an unbelievable scholar definitely coming from uh, a more conservative standpoint but still just being so authentic and so honest Is supposed to just start a chain reaction within you whoever you are the listener the one who's curious the one who has doubts because the purpose of this podcast is not to try to get you to doubt the purpose of this podcast is to tell you that you already are you already have doubts you already are doubting they're down there it's part of being human And that is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You need to follow those doubts. You need to do it in community. You need to explore. You need to have fun. You need to not be afraid. And you need to get going. And so, man, hour-long interview, and I feel like we only touched on a couple things, it felt like an appetizer and a meal at the same time. We are going to be doing more Bible miniseries in in the future. We're already lining up guests. We, we welcome your input on that. And as we wrap up this episode, there's just a couple bits of housekeeping that we just need to make you guys aware of. Um, number one, uh, John and I had the great privilege, the great, enormous privilege of hosting our first live event this past Sunday night, March 20th. 2016 at the wild goose creative in columbus ohio it was a oversold out event the atmosphere was indescribable it was electric people had no expectations they were a blank slate the bands had no expectations they were a blank slate we had no expectations we were a blank slate it was magic we oversold this event by like 20 plus tickets this room was packed out this art gallery in Columbus, Ohio called the Wild Goose Creative Gorgeous Venue was packed out and people came and they talked and they conversed and they engaged with ideas and they engaged with mystery and transcendence and they soaked in three amazing music groups David Carey's Project Serpent and Dove which will be available soon Colin Rigsby of formerly of House of Heroes. I think he's actually still with House of Heroes. His project Vespertine, an exclusive acoustic show, and True Slow Music wrapping up the night. Interviews in between, all of it recorded live, will be produced, mastered, and released soon. Sold out. Everybody had a great time. Uh, we made t shirts for the event, sold out of those. Uh, they're going to be available online. Also, for those of you that want to support what John and I are doing here, uh, it is costly. Doing events, uh, getting research, getting guests, buying equipment, website domains, the beer that we drink while we're doing this is all expensive. So if you would like to donate, there's a spot to do that. We would really appreciate that, and our, our, our wives would appreciate it even more than we would. It'd be fantastic. Uh, we don't have to keep sneaking money out to do this and uh, create this space. So please do that. Follow us online. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, We know that we are a super giddy crew. We are so enthusiastic. We're excited to have anyone and everyone on in this space. And uh, for some of the criticism that we've gotten that, you know, we're not hard enough on our guests or some of the other criticism that we're too enthusiastic. Look, we, we want constructive criticism, but yeah that's just going to happen that's kind of who we are so uh if you don't if you don't dig on that and you want somebody that's going to be a little harder on guests and and grill people and disagree that's just that's just really not what we're about so, hope you can appreciate that. If not, uh, there's a lot of great other podcasts out there that are more of a debate style. And we're just not really into that. We're just excited to get people on here from all different perspectives. Uh, we're going to have an all star lineup of people coming uh, very, very soon. We've got Peter Rollins coming up. We've got Alexander Shia coming up. We've got uh, Dr. Greg Boyd in the future, Steve Hassan in the future. We have got so many guests, and they're all going to be a surprise as to when they come out. So stay tuned, stay honest, stay authentic. Don't let anyone believe for you. Wrestle with your beliefs. Test them. Be open. Listen to people. Listen to people that are unlike you and continue to live authentically. With that, we want to thank Dr. Timothy Mackey and the Bible Project for being a part of of the Deconstructionist podcast for advocating for what we're doing here. We advocate for you as well. We think you are doing incredible work, honest, creative, inspiring, beautiful, authentic work, and uh, all of that will be included in the show notes. So follow us on Twitter at the deconstruct cast. Follow us on Facebook as deconstructionists. Go to www.thedeconstructionists.com participate in our forum called deconstructionists anonymous donate if you feel led to do that that would be phenomenal even five bucks our max donation is 25 bucks we're not looking for a lot of money it'd just be nice to pay for computer repairs and crap like that sometimes so thanks guys i love you all so much this has been such a gift to john and i and i know he echoes all of these things as he is with us here in spirit as we close (laughs) out event. It's going to be awkward for him to listen to this. Uh, Grace and peace, friends. Keep deconstructing.